Welcome to Citizens Midweek. It's a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a deeper look at each week's sermon. My name is Jacob. I'm your host here with our pastor and friend, Tim Olson. Let's get started. This past Sunday, we started a new sermon series that we're really excited about. We're kind of taking a 10-week look at the fruit of the Spirit, um, the fruit of the Spirit as outlined in the book of Galatians. And for us, this is kind of a continuation of our series that we did last fall called Rhythms and Formations. And really, it's just our attempt to talk about and to give a really kind of fleshed out look at what it means for us to be um, a people that do discipleship at our church, a people that think about discipleship and Um, So for the next 10 weeks, we'll be looking at kind of the fruit of the Spirit in a time of the flesh and how the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians really kind of counteract or contradict a lot of the ways of the world around us right now. Um, So this week was really just an intro sermon, um, an an introduction to the series, and we looked at the passage in Galatians chapter 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, um, and just kind of talk about the idea that for us as believers, you know, we... Uh, the Bible kind of gives this outline for um, the flesh as as a spiritual reality and how it contradicts um, the spirit of God. So we kind of talked about how there's there's a battle between all people, you know, between our flesh and the spirit. That there's a there's a battle, a spiritual battle happening between our flesh, our indwelling sin nature, our desires, our our disordered desires is one of the ways we talked about it, and what the spirit of God might be trying to do in us. And you know, so two of the ways that our flesh kind of kind of fight against the spirit is one they might you know move towards legalism and try and create rules and law and regulation to rein in the flesh or maybe the flesh does the opposite which is to kind of give license a freedom to do whatever you want so either we give a ton of rules to to hone ourselves in or we just say there's no limitations and anything that we would say is bad is just made up um but how those two kind of realities when our flesh is is kind of taking over in our sin nature contradict what the spirit of god's doing so us as believers kind of live in the tension of well, we have our sin nature, but God is sanctifying us of that. We're, we're being led by the Spirit while repenting of our sinful flesh. And yeah, just kind of recognizing that it is a spiritual battle. And so we're going to be looking at the next few weeks, um, what it means to have the fruit of the Spirit in you and what it means to, to kind of live out the fruit of the Spirit in a time where the flesh is really king of the world around us apart from Jesus. And um, yeah, so I'm excited for the next few weeks. Um, it'll be a 10-week series. We're excited to kind of walk through it this fall, but... Um, I think the part that stood out to me the most was kind of towards the tail end talking about like, what's it going to take for us to, to overcome our flesh and, and recognizing that for Christians, it's kind of a two parter that we have, um, we, since we have the spirit of God and we've been called to walk in the spirit that, um, we need a lot of grace and a lot of grit was the way you talked about it, Tim, that we need the grace of God to, to have saved us from our sin and to, to remove the penalty of our sin and to give us a way forward. But also we need a lot of grit. We need a lot of perseverance. We need a lot of endurance. And I think um, that's just really meaningful for me as I've gotten older. I act like I'm 50 years old. Um, but as I've gotten older, just realizing how much of the Christian life is is kind of tucking in, hanging on, fastening your seatbelts. <laughs> um, so we need the grace of God to give us endurance, to give us grit, to give us perseverance. And we're Thankfully, that's something that the Spirit promises to us in the Bible is that He's going to pr- the Spirit of God is going to produce endurance in us as we run steadfastly, and according to walking in the Spirit. So, I think that's just a really timely message for our church family. A bit of like, we have the gospel, which is which is good and a good gift, um, and the gospel does bear good fruit. And because we have 
the gospel and grace and good fruit and the spirit, uh, buckle up, <laughs> hang on tight. You know, life's going to get hard, but we've got these things to really steady us and to stay us and to ground us. So what about you, Tim? What kind of stuck out to you in particular while you were preparing for really this whole series, but maybe this week in particular? Yeah, I think uh, for the whole series, I mean, just really excited to dive into uh, the work of the Spirit in our sanctification. So I think, uh, I mean, we really only hit on it briefly in the sermon, and we'll talk about it more in a second, but that idea of works of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit, works being uh, the acts that we do, that when we uh, are living out the flesh, that's us deciding, going after these wrong, sinful desires, but then the fruit of the Spirit being something that we are entirely unable within ourselves to produce, that the Spirit has to do a work within us to grow the fruit of the Spirit within us. Uh, and so just seeing that throughout this series. Uh, but in particular, I think uh, two of the things that really stuck out to me from this sermon, uh, one was how many works of the flesh are relationship-based. I think I just default to like thinking about the flesh and making no provision for the flesh as like, Uh, especially as a kid and a guy growing up in youth group culture, like mainly just about sexual appetite and sexual desire. (laughs) All the do and don't do. Yeah. The flesh is like all of the bad sexual things you want to do. And so you got to make no provision and drinking and drugs, rock and roll. Yeah. Which like is not entirely untrue, right? That the flesh does have aspects of sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality. Paul mentions those and names those, but it's literally not the majority, but eight of the 15 is how we treat each other, right? Dissension, jealousy, envy, rivalry, division, uh, all of these things that I think tell us a lot with just interpersonal relationships, but all the things that we are tempted to make lesser than in terms of like the big sins, you know what I mean? So I think even just thinking about like how many of the fruit have to do with other people and how many of the works of the flesh have to do with other people. Um, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These aren't things you can... Uh, these aren't fruit that stand alone, right? You can't just be patient by yourself. You can't just be at peace just by yourself. Like you, It involves other people, interpersonal relationships, and same are true with the works of the flesh. And yet often in my own life, these are the parts of my life that I want to give a pass. I want to give a justification to how I'm doing in terms of works of the flesh in regards to interpersonal relationships and conflict and things like that. So that really has been sitting with me, hitting me a lot. And then I think too, just Paul's, uh, entire argument in the book of Galatians towards uh, the salvation that is by grace through faith in Christ alone and just his unwillingness to compromise on that and just how much he pushes back against uh, it is the gospel of grace through faith in Christ that saves you and nothing else. And I think that's just a really powerful thing to go back to and remember and lean into as we think about this series. This series can easily become behavior modification or um, virtue practicing, you know, which are not necessarily like bad things to in and of themselves of like we should strive for and cultivate love, cultivate joy, cultivate peace. We're going to have guides, practical guides each week. They're going to help us do that. But to remember, like the goal in this is not simply um, lives that look different, but selves that look different and gospel empowered change. And so going back to the goal is, hey, if you not, hey, if you produce these nine fruit, if you have these nine fruit, Jesus is going to love you more or you're going to be more right with God. But going back to uh, it is the gospel which makes us right with God and is the foundation by which we change. And I was even thinking about that, Kirby, during your, your prayer at the end of the gathering where the gospel is, you know, both the beginning and the end. Uh, I think it's Pastor J.D. Greer at Raleigh that talks about how the gospel is not the diving board. It's the pool. It's not what jumps you into the Christian life. It's what you swim around in in the Christian life. And I think remembering that this fruit of the Spirit even comes out of five chapters of Paul arguing for right. salvation by grace through faith in Christ mm. alone. 
Yeah. I think too, it just makes me think about like, uh, becoming a different person is the goal, <laughs> you know? And I think in, in the world we live in, that's a lot about self-actualization and self-discovery and, and I mean, just like a growing, uh, self-obsessed culture that thinks like who I am and who I discover myself to be is the best and highest good I can do. Well, we look at this and, and might be repulsed by that a little bit, but what we're saying is like, I want to be a little bit less like myself as I'm following Jesus. Like, as I've as if I'm more like myself, I'm more like my flesh. My flesh is my basic self, right? Um, but for us that try to follow Jesus, God is producing the good fruit of what He is like in us, um, and replacing the the good parts of Himself with, are replacing the the bad parts of our flesh with the good parts of His Spirit. And that doesn't mean you know it doesn't mean we can't have hobbies and passions that we care about or anything like that but it does mean like i'm trying to be a little less like jacob sometimes i'm trying to be a little less like jacob and a little more like jesus and those things are at odds with one another most of the time you know they're not always i mean they're very rarely not in alignment with one another um so we need the spirit's help to do that and we're doing something that seems a little bit maybe a lot countercultural. like What do you want to dive deep on this week, Tim? Yeah, I think just to continue along those that same train of thought that we're talking about is just Paul's argument for uh, the law not being sufficient to save us or to change us. Uh, and so this is just all over the book of Galatians. I mean, uh, one one day soon in the next couple of years, I'm sure we'll do a series all through the book of Galatians and we'll talk about this a ton. But just looking at Paul's whole big argument, um, one New Testament scholar argues that Paul has two main goals that are really two sides of the same coin. The main goal of Galatians is love, both one, convincing people of God's love for them and then that they don't have to earn, and then two, convincing them to then love God and love others in response. Um, and I think, I mean, even just from the very beginning, like, so the church in Galatia was started by Paul. We talked about this in the sermon, AD 46-47, region, really a region of house churches that he planted. And just a beautiful story. Uh, they were marked by the Spirit from the very beginning. Just a, a powerful conversion. Uh, the gospel kind of breaks forth in an area, and they just embrace the gospel, accept the gospel, really start running after Jesus. And then a group of Judaizers come in, these um men and women who were both Jewish and non-Jewish who were basically arguing, hey, in order for you to really be right with God, the gospel's good, but you also need to follow these Jewish rules and, and customs. You got to uh, be circumcised. You have to follow the Jewish patterns of feasting and the, the food, uh, what you can and can't eat, all of that. And then you have to follow the Sabbath and obey the Sabbath rules. And man, Paul does not take this lightly. Uh, I mean, all the way back in Galatians 1, like the very beginning of the book, he starts by saying, Paul, uh, not uh, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So his very first thing in the very first verse of Galatians uh, 1, 1 is Jesus Christ is risen. And so we just got to start with that. And then he keeps going and he talks about, he says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to what he calls a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And then he says, if we, him and his companions, or an angel from heaven, or anyone else preaches to you a gospel contrary to the gospel of grace, let him be accursed. Let him be cursed by God. He said, he doubles it down. He says it twice. He says it again in verse 9. And then basically for the rest of the book, he just continues to go on and on talking about, hey, I, 
I'm an apostle because Christ called me, and my one message that I need you to get is salvation is by grace through faith alone. Then he even talks about, in Galatians 2, he talks about how he opposed Peter when they had the Jerusalem council and how Peter was backing down from hanging out with Gentiles because of being afraid of the Jewish co- his Jewish companions because he wasn't telling them they had to be circumcised and he wasn't telling them they had to fulfill the Jewish law and he was afraid of what other people would think. And then Galatians 3, he talks about, uh, hey, are you justified by faith or by the law? Are Old Testament believers, were they justified by faith or by the law? He says even Abraham, right, who believed God and then it was counted to him as righteousness because of his faith in the f- what he was looking forward to, this future promise fulfilled by Christ. And then he talks about Galatians 3.10, the righteous will live by faith. And then he talks about, um, then he says, Galatians 3.19, why then the law, right? If the law can't save you, why the law? And he says, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. And so he says, why the law? Because of transgression. Right. Why the law? Because, because you had the flesh. Yeah. Because of your sinfulness. The very thing they were trying to do, with they were trying to hold back the flesh with the law. He says, Paul says, that's why th- one of the reasons why the law was given was to hold back your flesh, but something even better has come. Point forward to Galatians 5. Walk by the spirit. And so just how much in the book of Galatians, Paul is just like, no, you are a son of God. Galatians four, right? He's put his spirit inside of you, which calls out Abba father. You're not under this law anymore, which wasn't able to actually change you in the first place. It was holding back your flesh, but it wasn't producing new life. It wasn't giving you life that is now offered to you in the spirit. And that matters really for the whole of what we're going to be talking about over the next nine weeks with the fruit of the spirit is going back to um, the gospel is good news, not just um, in terms of our salvation and our, our f- the free gift of grace, but also in terms of our sanctification, that it matters that our old self died. It matters that our old self was crucified with Christ. Paul's whole argument in, fi- in chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, that our old man, our old desires, our old passions, our old interests, our old wants, our old vision for the good life, all of that has passed away, and we have now been raised into newness of life through the life given to us by the Spirit of God. And just how much that dying and living in the gospel of Jesus matters to everything else that comes afterward, our sanctification, our growth, our future glorification, all of that, uh, the starting place. I mean, John 3, right? Like the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus, right, in the middle of the night, and Jesus tells him, you must be born again. You have to die, and you have to have a new life. Which is in contrast to his original question, what must I do? What must I do to be saved? you got to do something you can't even do. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, just over and over and over again, yeah. the law was given, well, one, to keep down righteousness, but there to keep down unrighteousness, to suppress the flesh, but also the law was given, uh, this is the whole book of Romans, right? The law was given to reveal to you that you are broken, that you are sinful. It was given to hold back your sinfulness and to prove that your sinfulness was still going to reign and it was still going to rule and you were still going to go against God. And so I think just that reality of like, we have to die. Our old self has to die and we have to be um, raised to newness of life or there's no hope for us. And just how the spirit's all over that working and all of that. Um, But I think just going back to, okay, the gospel of good news, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, that there's a death and there's a life that happens outside of our ability to control, outside of our working, outside of our doing. Christ does the work through the spirit to even begin the Christian life, which then sets this trajectory, Philippians 1, 6, right? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. It's Christ at the beginning, Christ in the middle, and Christ at the end through the power of the Spirit. Yeah, that's really awesome. I was just thinking when you were 
saying all that just to, I mean, even bringing into clarity of like, well, the law can restrain us, but it can't overcome something in us. The yeah. law can restrain us, but it can't produce something in us. And that's what the difference is, right? Like the law might restrain us, but we don't just need to be held back. We need to produce new lives, new lifestyles. And even connecting that to what you said about Nicodemus, like Nicodemus wanted to know what does he need to do? And Christ's answer was, you need to become something and you can't become it by apart from yourself. You know, you've got to become it through what I'm doing in you through birth, through regeneration, through, through the spirit being a part of you. Um, and that's one of the, even the, the misnomers about uh, the Old Testament is even thinking like, well, then how did, you know, well, Old Testament believers, right? They were saved through the law. And that's actually not true. Old Testament believers weren't saved through the law, right? They were saved through uh, the promise, the future faith in the future promise to come. And that's what Paul's argument is in Galatians 3, right? That Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God's promise that through a, the line of Abraham, God was going to send a redeemer, send a Messiah. And so I think even like the misnomer that like, oh, well then, you know, they did it. And so if we can just do it too, or whatever way we want to want to parse it out, that's just not true. Like, Salvation is through Christ and Christ alone uh, and through the finished work of him on the cross. Yeah, that's good. So this is going to be a 10-week series for us. We just did week number one. And, and like we said it kind of at the beginning, the point is for us to kind of take steps in in learning what it means to be faithful to following the Spirit, to produce the fruits of the Spirit in us. And um, as we're kind of starting this new series, Tim, you want to kind of talk a little bit about kind of the what and the why behind, you know, why we chose to do this series at this time and what you're kind of hoping for our church family in the middle of it? Yeah, so um, so we kind of think about, and we talked about this on, on Sunday, but this is kind of a recap. We have a, a discipleship framework as a church built around three statements, and it's not original to us. Uh, there are other churches that have the same three statements, so we're not brilliant in coming up with this. Um, but the three statements are be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And so we're trying to spend time each fall looking at those three uh, really movements in the Christian life, that it starts with being with Jesus, abiding with him, spiritual practices like uh, prayer, Bible reading, Sabbath, silence and solitude, all those things we talked about last fall. Uh, we have a whole uh, website with resources based around that rhythmsandformation.com um, that has practical practical how-to guides um, and all of that. And so this is our kind of next movement in that framework uh, that as we be with Jesus, that the Spirit would do His work to sanctify us and make us become more like Jesus. So that's that's the second movement, become like Jesus. Um, and so the argument in the whole series is that well, then who is Jesus like? And and I would argue, and I think the Bible would argue, that the embodiment of what Jesus embodies is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And yet everything within us, in the flesh, and in our culture around us, um, pull us away from that. Uh, that we don't live in a time or a culture of love. We live in a time and culture of selfishness and self-interest. We don't live in a time and culture of peace. We live in a time and culture of anxiety. Uh, we don't live in a time of patience. We live in a time of hurry. We don't live in a, a time of kindness. We live in a time of bitterness and resentment. And so really just wanting to basically look at, okay, what 
is the flesh pulling us towards, that's anti, the antithesis of this specific part of the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit? And then how do we see that fruit in the life and teachings of Jesus? So we're kind of doing the same sermon outline for every sermon. Um, and so for each week, we're looking at, okay, what is the flesh pulling us to? What is the fruit the Spirit wants to dwell in, dwell and develop within us? What, how does Jesus embody that, whether through his life or through his teaching? And then how can we cultivate that fruit in our lives? And so... Uh, just to give examples of what we're looking at, we're going to talk about next week, uh, love in a time of selfishness. Uh, we're going to talk about joy in a time of cynicism and despair. We're going to talk about peace in a time of anxiety, patience in a time of hurry, kindness in a time of bitterness, goodness in a time of brokenness, faithfulness in a time of compromise, gentleness in a time of roughness, and self-control in a time of self-fulfillment. And with the goal of all of these, we're trying to go, okay, the flesh pulls us towards one. The Spirit wants to cultivate this other fruit within us. Here's how we see it in the life and teaching of Jesus, and here's how we can cultivate it in our lives. And for both, or for all of this, we said we need two things, grace and grit, right? We need to work really hard. We actually need to cultivate some stuff. Paul, throughout Romans and other places in the New Testament, the Bible says things like, make no provision for the flesh, Romans 8, right? Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Um, tough words about it. Tough words. Agree with what is already true. It's already been crucified with Christ, so now just further the killing. Like, make sure that it's dead, dead, <laughs> right? If we were writing dead, it in, dead. <laughs> in modern life. Let's make it dead, dead. Uh, and live a life that keeps in step with the Spirit. And so what that's assuming is the biblical reality that the Spirit is doing the work within us. That First Peter 1, the Spirit is sanctifying us. Philippians 1, 6, the Spirit, God is completing the work that he started. That we are being made more and more in the image of Christ. And so what it means to keep in step with the Spirit is to not get in the way of the Spirit doing the work that he is already doing in our lives. Um, think about like a dance, right? We're just keeping in step. The Spirit's moving, developing, cultivating, working. We are just keeping in step with it. And so we got to do some stuff and then rely on the grace of the Lord that he, through these practices, will actually um, grow this spirit, uh, this fruit of the spirit within us. And so each week, uh, starting next week, we're going to have practice guides um, that we're hoping to actually have available at the gathering and then also online that you can actually walk through different practices that if you do them that week will help cultivate the fruit of the spirit. So next week we're talking about love. And so two of the practices we're going to have to cultivate the fruit of love in our lives is one, uh, to go back to the love of God. So first John says we know love because God first loved us. And so there's going to be passages to meditate on each day of the week that are going to help us think about and meditate and um, grow roots in the love of Christ yeah, for reorient us. reorient ourselves. Yeah. And then the second one is um, small acts of love. We think act love is not a feeling, it's an action of sacrifice. And so there's going to be small just examples of ways that you can love your neighbor and your church family throughout the week. Um, you know, if I can quote Mother Teresa, she says, uh, love is small acts of courage and kindness. And so I think just the small acts of greatness. Uh, and so this one way to cultivate it, that, hey, if we're going to be a people of love that cultivate the fruit of love in our lives, then we actually actually we actually have to do some things that require uh, effort and sacrifice and participation. We got to actually do some stuff. Uh, and so that's just two of the ways. And we're going to have examples of that throughout the series for each um, you know, I'm working on the joy one for next week, right? We're going to cultivate joy and we're going to have the practice of gratitude. Just all these different practices to help cultivate and do the grit part while God does the grace good. part to grow us. Yeah. I'm really excited about this series. I really like in particular, like the way that we've kind of paired the fruit of the spirit with a clear example of kind of the fruit of the flesh that we see in the world around us, just because I think it's really helpful. I mean, really, you know, not that I think sometimes there's a temptation for people to hear that and maybe think like, oh, well, I need to follow Jesus because it's got like all these carrots that I want to be after. Like, oh, I want peace. I want joy, whatever. Um, and that's certainly true that that's what's being produced in the by the spirit. But it's not like 
uh, I follow Jesus so I can be at peace. It's that's actually like the reward is Jesus. And when we're in Jesus, that's the fruit of following Jesus. So I'm, I'm just excited. I think it's really cool kind of saying like, this is what, this is the fruit that the world produces and God has called us into something better. And it's actually what you're looking for all along. It's actually what you're hoping for anyways. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Um, feel free to check us out at the gathering next Sunday at 5 p.m. We'll continue on in the series and um, we'll see you next time.